0: Out of town to see everything sound the same because this is the basic beat we use from the gangster bounce to the the, the sissy punk bounce to the the female bounce. This Jackson 5, I want you back. we are just like that and we'll just add it with the roll call beat.
1: If you ask someone to imagine music from New Orleans, chances are they think brass bands and Mardi Gras Indians. Maybe they'd remember Louis Armstrong or the funky R&B of the Neville brothers. But if they'd been to New Orleans anytime recently, well I tell you, they'd know that today the Crescent city moves to a different beat.
0: The drums, the snares, the claps, the roll call beat, the cheeky black beat, trigger man beat. We
1: take all those beats, all put together, one big gumbo pie. You have a, a nice bounce song. That's Flipset Fred, one of the top producers from the New Orleans hip hop style known as bounce. Emerging from Black New Orleans clubs, bars and block parties in the early 1990s, Bounce quickly grew into a deeply rooted tradition of its own, one uniquely able to express the pleasures and pains of a community faced with violence, governmental failure and natural disaster. Built around a distinctive set of chants and samples, Bounce's rhythm has become an inescapable part of the city, its call and response lyrics focus on the landscape of wards, neighborhoods and housing projects, celebrating a side of New Orleans all too often overlooked. Although Bounce is definitely local, some of its top artists have found an audience worldwide. This is Big Frida, a queer performer who has become the national face of Bounce. Famous for energetic live shows, she's appeared on tracks by Beyoncé and stars in our own reality show. While a handful of Bounce performers like Frida, Manny Fresh, Juvenile or Lil Wayne have attained national success, Few of their fans know the cultural tradition that lies behind their music. Hello, Georges Collinet with you on Afro Pop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Today, on this special Hip Deep edition, a history of bounce.
2: I say, Trick, stop talking at it, and buy Jubilee his outfit. I want a white t shirt, some khaki pants, some all stars, and some money for the dance. I say, Trick, stop talking at it. And
1: Before there was bounce, there was hip hop. Emerging from the South Bronx in the 1970s, hip hop was a revolutionary cultural form to a generation of black teenagers from New Orleans, it made everything else sound obsolete. But in the 80s, rap, almost by definition, hailed from New York. Finding a way to adapt the style to New Orleans, well, would not be easy. That's Slick Leo spinning live at the famous Theatre Disco in 1983. Long before the city had rappers of its own, DJs like Leo played mixes geared toward the
3: distinctive tastes of New Orleans
1: audiences.
3: But it was Slick Leo at the famous We At Home, listening to him. He would be mixing up some of the national rap, but he'll still be mixing the Michael Jack, Mama C, Mama Simon, Michael. So I don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop till you get up. It would have you at your house if you're not going to where He start going live at 11 o'clock. you sitting there with your T-crew ready to press play.
1: That's Polo a photographer and longtime veteran of New Orleans' bounce scene. In the late 80s, Polo managed one of the teen clubs that first provided a space for the new hip-hop culture.
3: I'm Polo Silk, also known as the Pitcher Man. Uh, club Adidas on Canal Street was the first place I started with the first teen club, really one of the first main spots besides Warren Mays Club, 88 to start playing the bounce rap music, letting rappers do their thing in a club. Club Adidas was owned by Melvin Foley.
4: Melvin Foley, CEO of Boss Hog Entertainment from New Orleans, Louisiana. I started the little wave of the teen thing here. Teen clubs
1: and high school concerts became a crucial proving ground for local rappers, like the Ninja Crew, who you're hearing now.
4: Well, basically it was hit stage anywhere from 12 to 18. The doors would open like about seven, we'd close for 12. We, you know, played all the hottest music. We only sold cold drinks, popcorn, and stuff like that. No liquor or anything. It was somewhere for the kids to go on the weekend. And then I started uh, bringing groups in. I had salt and Pepper. I did them at the local high school, L.W. Higgins. Uh, I did two live crew at John Arred. I started promoting bigger shows, I did Run DMC, I did NWA, everybody who was hot back then, I, you know, I'd bring them in town. And uh, I had the local acts here open up.
1: By the early 90s, local acts started putting out records influenced by the sounds of New York and Los Angeles. Let's hear Team Smooth, one of the best of these performers, with the track, Guts to Habit.
0: Sit all of your rappers down and hand me a mic. And I'ma show you something brothers what a real rapper sound like. I don't dance like ham or sing like Patty, but I'm the example of a for real Mac
1: bag. Artists intro. like Tim Smooth made rap a tune to the national mainstream. Others like Gregory D began to carve out a path in line with local traditions, laying the groundwork for bounce. New Orleans,
0: you know what time it is?
1: We spoke by phone with Manny Fresh, the track's producer and a legend of New Orleans hip-hop.
5: He was just like, if we do something, we want to make it sound like New Orleans. So we couldn't get a jazz band or whatever, but we could kind of duplicate the beat. While
1: rappers like Gregory D and Tim Smooth did well regionally, Bounce would come from a different direction. I
0: said
3: Go Bounce is a music
1: defined by its beat, and that beat comes from a remarkably limited number of sources. While some tracks are constructed from DJ Cameron Paul's Brown Beats and others' sample Vocal Reduce Roll Call, the vast majority are built around the painstakingly dissected elements of a single track. Drag Rap, better known as Trigger Man, is a 1986 record by the New York rap group The Showboys. Here's Dr. Matt Miller. Author of the book,
6: Bounce, Rap Music and Local Identity in New Orleans. It's a 1986 song by a duo called The Showboys from Queens, New York. It was released on Profile Records. So it just became a kind of club sensation and people from New Orleans just kind of put their hands on that record and just said, well, we like this and we're going to work with this.
1: In the North, drag rap and The Showboys' careers quickly fell into cutout being oblivion. But in New Orleans, their record took on a new life.
0: Things were insane. In order to survive, had
4: to be me. This
0: song here, this was started at all. Without this song here, it wouldn't be no bounce.
1: That's DJ Pee-wee, a New Orleans hip-hop legend.
0: It was about the beat, bro. They got a part when the when the beat dropped, that's what you gotta catch. So you had to have the skills, back spinning and fading. That's what you were doing, back spinning and fading the whole time. Then you catch it,
1: and then you hold it and jug it, juk, 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 and then you'll get on there and start doing your thing. Not yet on record, Bounce developed live. DJs would spin while aspiring MCs worked the crowd. The result was a musical form that reflects the call and response fundamental to New Orleans' Afro-Caribbean traditions. By the early 90s, Trigger Man had become the basis of live hip-hop in New Orleans.
2: And man, I wore out so many
0: albums, bro, it, it, it's ridiculous. And man, we would go through hundreds of albums because you had to scratch it. You put away a tear on them, you know what I'm saying? So.
1: Three and four hours straight, bro. They had everybody's taking turns off the same beat. In nineteen ninety two, a scene had begun to come together around rivals DJ Jimmy and DJ Irv and the clubs where they performed. Big Man's Lounge on Louisiana Avenue and Ghost Town in Holy Grove. Come on, come on. When Irv teamed up with the rapper T. Tucker, New Orleans hip-hop was changed for good, and Polo was there.
3: Ghost Town Papas, T. Tucker and DJ Irv. Whew. Packed to capacity, inside and out. Tucker would get in there, get on the pool table, and just, where he at, where he at, where he at. Oh man, it was bad. And they had these girls called the Ghost Town Papas. They would get on a pool table and just bust it open, bust it loose, cut up. The audience
1: became a crucial part of the show, responding to the names of wards and projects being chanted on stage. Glenda Robert and her husband John produce the influential public access television program All Good in the Hood.
2: When we started, we were just a cult like the rave, have their own following, bounce at their own thing. It was certain clubs you could go in and hear this. And we would dance from the time the DJ start tell five and six o'clock in the morning the sun would basically meet us at the door
1: well while audiences may have loved bounce much of new orleans did not appreciate the new style
2: bounce back then was very very nasty it was a very sexual thing and my grandmother swore on everything i would go to hell dancing like that and everybody mama thought the same thing and if you was a bounce rapper you damn sure was going to hell and you would never get a job uh-huh.
1: Where they at? by T. Tucker and DJ Irv. As raw as it was, the tape sold out instantly in New Orleans, echoing from car radios and boomboxes around the city, and suddenly a style you could only hear in a dangerous club from 2 to 5 a.m. was everywhere. Here's Matt Miller.
6: It's deceptively simple, and it really speaks to the ways that kind of feel, kind of particular voice, are more important than the technical production. His vocal style was just kind of breaking it down to a raw level that was something that had never really been... Done on a rap record
4: before. John
0: Robert. When New Orleans was desperate for his own music and his own identity, the East Coast was booming, West Coast was booming, and I think Bounce gave us an identity and it gave us an outlet.
1: We spoke by phone to Alex Chapman, a professor of comparative women's studies at Spelman University. He says that a major part of Bounce's appeal was its embrace of the cultural geography of black New Orleans.
3: Is
0: on the map and they don't play. Me I know I'm from around the
7: way. I know some real and a lot of bounce songs, particularly in um, an artist that I really appreciated named Magnolia Shorty, you hear about Back of Town. Back in the old days, Back of Town was a reference to the back of the French Quarter or the Tremaine, which was the first black uh, neighborhood within the country. Go back to listen to Louis Armstrong in Back of Town Blues there are these particular spaces and streets that are continuously referenced that are almost the inverse of the popular destinations that most people know, like the French Quarter, Bourbon Street. Within downtowns, you don't hear references to those things. You hear people talking about Roshanblade and the Sixth Ward and Dumain Street or the Calliope. I'm not hit, mate, you are not a daddy, yo. I'm the fifth
3: Block
1: parties in housing project courtyards spread the popularity of bounce The biggest ones, at projects like the Magnolia or the Calliope, could attract 2 or 3 thousand people. Bounce, with its focus on places and names, became intimately linked to centuries-old neighborhood culture. This is Got To Be Real by Pimp Daddy, released in 1993 on Cash Money Records and produced by Manny Fresh. Pimp Daddy was killed in 1994 at the age of 18, one of a long list of murdered bounce artists. A leader of Gangster Bounce, Pimp Daddy tied its chants and beats to hard-edged and often violent depictions of street life in a city experiencing record-breaking levels of murder and crime. Founded by Brian Baby and Ronald Slim Williams, Cash Money produced a string of brilliant Bounce records in the early 90s, all overseen by Manny Fresh.
5: I put bass lines and music on top of both. You know, and that, that's what kind of gave mine always that, that element that was a little bit different from everybody else. Like, you know, I was just like, okay, how do you get the masses to like this? Like, I get everybody from New Orleans, get it. How do we get it outside of New Orleans?
0: Chilling on the set with the fully automatic tech. Never was far slipping, it's how I got my respect.
5: Pop up, pop up, watch a bleed to death. You played with the tech, man, and now you're taking your last breath.
0: Now everybody's trying to be that ruler.
3: That's Among
1: Cash Money's early stars was Miss T. We caught up with her outside a club called Shamrock.
3: Legendary Miss T.
1: Miss <laughs> T was signed to Cash Money at the age of 14.
3: 14 years old. I wasn't even supposed to be out there like that, like in a club. And they really thought I was like older because I looked at my body was like bam, 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 bam. So I looked at older, older, older old, you know. And uh, they found, was like 14, so they had to get permission from my mom. Once they got the permission and my mom and grandma signed a contract, then I started the recording with them.
1: In songs like If He Don't Trick, Misty switched between singing and rapping to tell true-to-life true stories about the struggles of an unmarried teenage mother.
3: We were telling stories, like I had the story on, I know it's tough, but but you gotta stay strong, keep your head up because life goes on. And I was talking about me being a 14,
0: 15-year-old girl, pregnant. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of girls related to me because I was like a
3: reality rapper.
1: Once a tiny scene in a few select clubs, by 1994, Bounce dominated hip-hop in New Orleans forcing artists to choose between satisfying hometown crowds and reaching audiences beyond the city limits.
6: Local rappers that were not interested in doing a bounce-type style felt like they were being squeezed out of their local market and obviously your local market should be your kind of first step towards building a career. We spoke
1: to the multi-platinum rapper Mystical, one of New Orleans' best-known performers. He says that in the early 90s, the series' focus on Bounce was stifling.
0: I was at odds with Bounce. I called myself a lyricist. That was, it wasn't working out. The lyrics wasn't trending at that time, not in this market. I had to go to try to make it out of California, New York somewhere,
1: you know, to be a lyricist. Mystical worked to create tracks that would reference the feel of Bounce while avoiding the genre's limitations.
3: now you better get it ready to rumble!
4: I still have to kind
3: of find a way to be a nemesis of it but still be to embrace it because I still have to use it and I still have to perform it and still get those fans too because they didn't want to hear anything but bounce
0: shake your ass watch yourself it had a lot of like bounce terminology in there Created style sharp enough to cut straight through the bounce mark I really be
3: throwing my on the one. There ain't but to on the drum. Swip, flip kicks from the, Mojo, Maddie, the man, and
1: As bounce grew more popular within New Orleans, it drifted further from the hip-hop mainstream outside the city.
3: I am the infamous aka Cheeky Black, the mother of twerk, Queen of the South. Artists like
1: Cheeky Black, DJ Jubilee, and Magnolia Shorty were crucial. Inviting chants, catchphrases and fresh rhythms. Listen to Chicky's track "Twerk Something," which focuses attention on the hypersexual dance of the title while asking which gender truly rules the club.
3: something 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 uptown twerk up if you're with it so twerk some player let me hear you say 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 twerk
1: some player can Chiki is probably best known for the beat to her track, Trick, Get Off Me
3: This is the beat that everybody uses the mix with everything yeah, I'm gonna play this for you so you can see what it is
1: The track was a major step forward for Bounce. DJ Peewee. If you was the DJ and you didn't know how to scratch the Trigger Man for
0: yourself, you, you put the Cheeky Black instrument on and that was it. That took it over. So I love to do it
1: scratching live, but once he did that, I ain't had to do as much. Cheeky remembers recording.
3: Duck was on the turntables. Manny was on the produce and track board and I was in the booth. Everything was live. That's us clapping, actually. Me, my little sister, and my little cousin. Boom.
5: Manny Fresh. Everybody in New Orleans flipped it over to the instrumental. This beat was like the blueprint to bounce. By
1: 1996, two independent labels began to grow in popularity, eventually coming to reshape New Orleans' rap music in their images.
3: Before you jump in the game, let's get one thing understood. If you're selling an ice cream, you got to make sure it's good. With the ice cream man.
1: No Limit Records, started in Richmond, California, by Master P and his two brothers, Silt the Shocker and C Murder, all three grew up in New Orleans.
3: Hit the black dressed in white with some bedding bowls, a pocket full of stones.
1: Taking cues from West Coast strap the brothers recreated themselves as gangster entrepreneurs, releasing CD after CD of rolling boasts
6: and drug dealing legends. Mr. Master P, I think his outlook and modus operandi was shaped by his upbringing in New Orleans and ended up getting into the record business out in California and bringing that California branding with him back to New Orleans to some extent as his success ballooned and I think he did not value maintaining a connection with New Orleans. By 1997, No Limit had become an empire,
1: selling hundreds of thousands of albums throughout the country. Despite its deep New Orleans connections within the city, No Limit was often seen as an outsider.
0: On Sunday, they buck we on
1: the same cannot be said for Cash Money. By 1998, Cash Money was becoming the most successful independent rap label of all time. Many Fresh was behind its success on the national stage. Like Mystical, he realized that the sound of New Orleans could be used to give its artists a distinctive identity.
5: I've always been striving for something bigger. Like, you know, the early stages of house, like, we couldn't leave out of New Orleans with that. We would go, like, one place over, like, Baton Rouge, and they would not get it. So I was going, like, how do we make them understand it? I get New Orleans, but I'm like, I want more than New Orleans. You know, I was really striving from day one to be like, hey, I think the whole planet is gonna like
1: this. As cash money broke out of New Orleans, selling millions of records nationwide, they maintained a performance style born out of bounce.
5: I'm a DJ before anything. A lot of my songs are based on just the DJ experience. So I'm always reading the crowd. You know, if I drop something and the crowd responds to it, I'm going, well, how can I make that a record? So that's kind of like what a lot of the Cash Money thing was. Like the next song would always be from the previous song. Like when we had one line in the song and we went on tour, we noticed like everywhere we went, people said this one line. And I'm like, hey, we need to make that a hook.
1: Listen to Cash Money rapper Juvenile's massive hit, Back That Thing Up, a song that soundtracked a nation's middle school dances and pay attention to how Manny keeps the feel of Bounce while tying it to a string melody.
3: Cash Money Records taking over for the 9-9 in the 2000s Girl you're working with some baggy You're game Make it all, it's been last Girl proud with the passion They match You could ride in a jaggy With that jet You could smoke a by your a grass crash it Got money like can flash it trash it I'm a big I'm guns play it yeah. Gun spray yeah. it I'll yeah, go Billy. Yeah, like I be thinking, wood, yeah. I'm out of the hood, yeah. Let it be understood, yeah. It's all good, yeah. Got it, wait a second, yeah. On the hard, yeah. Do a broad, yeah. I want to draw, yeah. Hope you can do a trick, yeah. On the stick, yeah. You family, you want to.
1: To read the full text of our interview with Manny Fresh and hear a collection of classic cash money pounds, check out our website, afropop.org. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Since Cash Money and No Limit had an oversized impact, diverting attention away from Bounce and towards mainstream rap. Despite this, during the late 90s, Bounce continued to evolve as a resolutely local style. Ignored by radio and abandoned by the independent labels, it had helped create a new generation of artists like Fifth Ward Weeby, Gotti Boy Chris and Tenth Ward Buck Pushed Bounce faster and harder. Many of these performers came up through a network of teenage dance crews. A wave of new DJs began to enter the scene. Building on the innovations of pioneers like Manny Fresh and DJ Earth, they used new technology to reshape the sound of Bounce.
5: I the name of the infamous DJ Money Fresh.
1: Money became a legend for his use of the MPC, a sampling machine he played live.
5: I didn't want to leave the beat machine anywhere. I said, you know what? Instead of me doing a trigger man back-to-back on a turntable, land myself out, I could just take the trigger man sample, drop it in my beat machine, and I could just hit the button. Everybody was like, wow, you saw what Money did last night?
1: Money's use of the MPC also allowed him to incorporate something new into Bounce, the remix. Remix. While DJs have been mixing popular songs with the Triggerman beat live since the beginning of Bounce, DJs like Money Fresh, DJ Duck and DJ Black and Mild transformed the
5: practice. I said, oh man, I could just take all the stuff in my head and now I could just dump it out and make a beat on the beat machine. I bought me a little 8-track recorder where I could take one track and put the beat on the next track was the actual song, and the next track might be scratches, the next track might be this little word or whatever I want to put in there.
1: The addition of a bounce beat localizes music. It allows sounds imported from outside New Orleans to feel like home.
7: Alex. When it comes to bounce music, it's not necessarily about always hearing local artists, but it's about that beat, Trigger Man and the ground beat put together it is inscribed with certain meanings that sound is the sound of home to a lot of
5: people
1: in the late 90s a new factor increased the divide between bounce and hip-hop in new orleans john and glenda of the television show all good in the hood gay artist begin to do bounce music, and the hip-hop
0: industry was dead set against gay artists. Me, myself, I wasn't against gay artists, but I was afraid of putting them on TV. But she was fearless with it. She told me, we're gonna put them on TV,
2: and it's gonna be that. We didn't wanna hear that, you know, I shot you, I'll kill you. When we come out, we don't wanna hear all them problems. We leaving problems. The bounce artist is giving us something we want here. Shake that ass, get on your hands, hit the wall, that's what we want. While
1: queer performers have had a long history in New Orleans, few seized the mic with the force of Katie Red, An openly transgender woman from the Melfamine Project, Katie was signed to the influential label Take Four by DJ Jubilee in
0: 1998. You're bugging me and you're ugly.
1: In Katie's wake, other queer performers, many of whom started as her friends and dancers, began to gather fans. One of the most prominent was Big Frida. One of Frida's first producers was DJ Little Man.
3: Frida must have had 30 women on stage shaking and bopping. It was all new, you know. It was just something different about the energy. I was like, man, do you see how he just making everybody just get on the floor and drop?
1: Performers like Frida and Kitty fought for their place in the bounce scene. Melvin Foley, Frida's manager during this period,
4: remembers her rights. Frida was my first gay artist. When I first picked up Frida, I lost a lot of artists. You know, people were saying, look, I can't be on the same ticket with Frida and things like that. You know, we went through that era. I had seen some people do some stuff, but Frida was the first one that was organized with it. As dancers, they had uniforms, you know freedom was, was a
5: hustle. While
4: queer
1: performers were shaking up the bounce scene, it's vital to remember that they were working within it. Even as they expanded the style of the genre, they emerged from within the same network of clubs, talent shows, and block parties that defined so much of bounce culture in the 90s. However, in the early 2000s, that infrastructure began to be stripped away. Projects like Magnolia, Melfomen, Iberville and Calliope, which house a significant portion of New Orleans' black community, began to be demolished under a controversial city renewal plan. Built in the 1940s, much of the housing was in dire need of repair. However, the plans for replacement envisioned a far smaller population, ensuring that a vital center for black cultural life in New Orleans would be disrupted. Dr. Holly Hobbs runs the New Orleans Rap and Bounce archive at Tulane University's Amistad Center.
8: The Magnolia, the birth of so many musical forms in New Orleans, Magnolia is now the Harmony Oaks. The St. Thomas is now River Garden these place names have all changed and with that there's a loss an intangible loss and a very tangible loss um you know of of memories names places people
0: i said i called red cross they refused to play George Bush he was on delay. i think my play game so i had to get me i won't expect a check
6: between
1: then in 2005 hurricane Katrina hit the ladies fell and New Orleans was reshaped forever. Alex Chapman.
7: Historically, black communities have been pushed into the most unlivable land. I don't see the flooding of the Ninth Ward as an accident, but as a design that was eventually going to fulfill itself. A lot of these spaces within a generation have disappeared because of displacement, not necessarily having to do with Katrina, but the context of removal and destruction of housing that in some cases was undamaged after the storms, but how it was used as a pretense for making sure that working class and poor Black communities could not return. For Katrina, people were already dealing with this loss of community Because of 1990s Clinton era social welfare reform, because of the growth of mass incarceration, these communities are in many ways the canaries in the coal mine.
1: The displacement of over 200,000 New Orleans after the storm put life on hold. Houston, Dallas, and Atlanta quickly became epicenters for the black communities displaced by Katrina. Bounce, which has soundtracked so much of community life, assumed a crucial role.
7: I've been interviewing people, almost in tears, recounting being displaced, only to find people in Houston or in Atlanta. At a club, when you heard it, you knew if you followed it, you would find your people.
4: Melvin Foley. Katrina gave bounces wings because everybody left and went all different directions, Atlanta, Houston, Dallas, and when they would go to the clubs, there was enough for New Orleanians that they could like, hey, we want to hear some Bounce, so Frida, Noby, Fifth War Weeby, all these cats started making money out there because Bounce was in demand.
1: Rapper and singer Haas Sizzle was 17 when the levies broke. During his first months living in Dallas, he found that the internet, still new, helped connect his community in ways he couldn't have imagined.
0: When Hurricane Katrina came, I was a senior in high school. I was pretty down. I didn't even know that the music was out there just yet. I wound up hitting a girl on her Nextel phone. She turned her phone up and it just went, bouncey, 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 bouncey. I looked. And I just walked to her so fast. I say, Oh, excuse me. I say, what that was? She was funny. it was a bounce song. She was like, Yeah, I'm from New Orleans. I am like, man. She played it. I say, that's me. She said, boy, go ahead. It is not you. I say, no, that's me. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And it was so difficult to get in touch with people. I was like, well, MySpace. That's what I want y'all to do for me. <laughs>
1: Got, DJ Little Man quickly heard about the new scene developing
3: in Houston. I was in Tennessee by family. I kept getting this call from Houston, Little Man, you need to get out here. Everybody's looking for you, you need to get out here. It was just on from there. I mean, clubs were like this. The work was just everywhere.
1: Once Little Man set up shop, he was quick to make sure his musical partner, High Sizzle, followed.
0: My first night there, I went to a club called Maxi's. And my DJ Lil' man, he introduced me to the owner of the club. The owner was like, wait, you're the biggity, 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 bouncy guy? Man, come to my office immediately. He was just setting me down. Let me tell you, 17, I was still thinking $100 was a lot. So just imagine someone giving you $1,100. This is the most money I ever hold in my hand in my life right now. And from there, I just went to traveling everywhere. Atlanta, Mississippi, Alabama,
1: Tennessee, everywhere where New Orleans people was, I went and I performed these songs. Diaspora has opened new doors for Bounce, but nothing could compete with the pool to return home. Nightclubs, record stores, recording studios, entire blocks and projects, all were gone. It was time to rebuild and adapt.
3: Hey, you, be not the fame.
1: Some of the first Bounce performers to return to the city were C.C. Noby and Big Frida. We caught up with Nobi outside the show.
3: I was ready to come home, you know what I'm saying, I, you know, I was in Texas, you know, people I was standing with like, you gotta go. And so I left, came back to my grandmother's house and just started working on beast. I was one of the first artists to come back. Yes, I was. I was missing home every day because of the beat. Big
5: Frida, come in one more time! Big Frida, come one more
1: time! Queer performers like Nobi and Frida, popular before the storm, grew more important after it.
5: God, give, me mic, let Frida come wobble, wobble, give
1: Alison Fensterstock was music critic for the times You.
9: Big Frida and Sissy you Nobi, know, they were just both like, hustling frantically, I mean, playing constantly, going back and forth to Houston, playing there, because there were, you know, thousands of people from New Orleans who were still stuck there, you know, who didn't have dry homes to come back to. They were both incredibly active and incredibly present. In a
1: still ruined city, a Bounce performance was more than just a party. Alex Chapman.
7: Cultural labor, cultural work, like Bounce, in the clubs, provided a space for people that were trying to return or people that were just coming back and visiting, a place for those people to come back to and to gather and to process what had happened and what was happening.
1: Katrina coincided with major changes to the music industry. CD sales declined, while the widespread availability of illegal downloads greatly reduced artists' ability to sell their music, as Bounce attempted to break into the digital marketplace, one of the biggest problems it faced was the clearance of the triggerman samples that formed the skeleton and muscle of the beat. CES45 is the owner of nothing but fire records.
2: A lot of the music that they produce is sampled and so they can't sell it online. Most of the time only the artist gets paid because of the booking. Most of the producers, they don't get no money unless somebody contacts them to produce a song for them. When they figure out a way to work with the license and and the samples and all that, I think it'll be a way bigger industry.
1: The same technology reshaping the economics of Bounce also accelerated its sound. Samples grew shorter, faster, and punchier. Bounce had entered the era of chopping. Chop this.
0: Kicky, picky, 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 break it down. That's chop. They could take one sentence and make that out a whole song.
1: DJ Blazer, a producer who rose to prominence in the early 2000s.
5: When I came on the scene, that's when the editing became popular. You would record all the vocals and you'd go through and filter down and make a song from one word. the producer is the song.
1: After the flood, New Orleans' black population dipped dramatically, with many displaced by the storm opting not to return. The aftermath of Katrina brought an influx of white, upper, and middle class youth, turning historically black parts of the city majority white. Holly Hobbs.
8: From 2008 to 2013 or 14, you had a huge demographic shift. And that really changed the way music was consumed. Bouncing had always existed in neighborhoods, in public spaces, and it was street party music. And then it moved into white clubs through 2009 to 2011, and then really kind of took up residence in the Bywater.
1: I'm Jay Pennington, aka Rusty Laser. DJing abroad, Jay discovered that audiences totally unfamiliar with bounce responded immediately. When he returned after the storm, he worked to find opportunities for the
7: bounce rappers he loved. Katrina happened, and artists like Big Frida and everyone really stepped into prominence. The town got smaller overall and you could actually talk to people across cultural lines, whereas before you were just checking stuff out. If you went into another community, now you could like actually interact and communicate.
1: Clubs downtown and in the gentrifying Marigny and Bywater neighborhoods were increasingly open to booking bounce artists. They had previously performed almost exclusively in black neighborhoods uptown and on the West Bank. While bounce in a punk club began as an experiment, it was soon an
7: obvious success can put an artist like Katie Red with a metal band, people will get it and they can play in punk clubs and people will get it because there's an underlying sort of outsider element based on orientation or gender identity or whatever that's, that was going on in Queer Bounce that was also going on in Queer culture.
1: A tipping point was the C.C. Sweethearts Ball, a Valentine's Day show featuring Big Frida, C.C. Nobby and Katie Redd at One-Eyed Jacks, a major rock club in the French Quarter. Alison Fensterstock booked the show.
9: We decided to try to put on a show with all of them called it the Sissy Sweetheart's Ball. And we had no idea what was going to happen. It sold the f- out, like, immediately. People were so excited to see that show. And it was, I think, especially because it was, you know, Katie being transgender and Frida being genderqueer and Nobi being gay and being very, like, out and proud and weird and gorgeous. And you had this whole crowd of, like, rock and roll kids to see these amazing three personalities who had grown up like gay and black and poor in New Orleans, and it was kind of an amazing synthesis.
1: Rusty Laser began to tour with Big Frida, taking a genderqueer, hyper-energy thread of bounce out of New Orleans and into the media frenzy of New York City.
7: The first couple shows we did were New York City with a bunch of punk bands and writers from all kinds of magazines that ended up helping us out a lot later who were there just to like get rowdy and go crazy and it really like paid off almost instantly.
1: Touring these expanded routes, Bounce artists began to catch the eyes and ears of global-minded DJs like Diplo, Schlachtoff-Bronz, and Dre Skull. Listen to the way that Niki Dabi translates the energy of Bounce to a track without its trademark samples on Lights Off. His collaboration with German producer Schlachtoff Bronx, released shortly before his untimely death in 2014. By 2012, Bounce was on the rise nationally. Hasizel watched as the sound gained new
0: fans. At first we all performed in just clubs, then they start to open it up for us to perform in festivals. Due to Katrina, every documentary, you had to mention bounce music. The higher, more fancy clubs in the city, like Republic, they start to have a bounce night every month and we sell our shows. They had celebrities standing upstairs. I'll never forget Molly Cyrus was upstairs one
1: time, watching the whole set. New Orleans had gained additional cachet as a cultural center. Holly Hobbs says that with this came inevitable questions of appropriation.
8: New Orleans has long been known as one of the quote blackest unquote cities in America. Part of that means that racial authenticity is really seated in New Orleans in ways that it's not seated elsewhere. And so within that, then you have this whole system surrounding black music and how black music is consumed by the outside world.
1: This fraught conversation exploded nationally in 2013 when foreign Former Disney star Miley Cyrus brought twerking, a dance intimately connected to bounce, into American living rooms with her headline-making performance at the MTV Video Music Awards. Some feel that artists like Miley, who come from outside New Orleans, are profiting from its culture without permission or understanding. Dancer and
3: choreographer Skip. Everything comes from New Orleans, but we people in New Orleans wasn't business savvy back then. Then somebody else would come in from another state, another city, come take our s**t, and we get mad. But you really can't fault them, it's fault ourselves, you know what I'm saying?
1: Unaware of the genre's history, journalists began to use the term CC bounce to describe the queer, transgender, and gay performers who dominated a bounce scene increasingly centered around the gentrifying areas of the city. Alison Fensterstock,
9: as Frida and Nobi and Katie Red got more popular outside of New Orleans, I think. People started to either think that bounce music was music specifically by gay people or that there was actually a genre called sissy bounce within bounce music that was a real thing, neither of which were true.
1: The term sissy bounce created unnecessary division, but it also enabled a new and lucrative market for some of bounce's most active performers, Haasizo. I remember the first time someone told me that.
0: So you do sissy bounce, right? Immediately I stopped him. I said, excuse me, what looks sissy about me? I don't have nails. I don't do hair. I have a beard. I love my beard. I carry myself as a man. I have a five-year-old daughter. I carry myself as a man, period. So don't judge me off of what you think. To me, it's no such thing as sissy bounce. You don't hear people say, oh my God, I love that straight singer Beyonce. I love that straight artist Lil Wayne. But then when it gets to a gay person, oh, I let a sissy bounce of uh, Big Freedom. No, you love Big Freedom.
7: Rusty Laser. It looks like the underground from the outside, but from the inside, it's mainstream. Locally, those artists just represented a continuation of bounce, and to themselves, they represented a continuation of bounce. While the success of Big Frida
1: has proven that it is possible for bounce to break into the national market for the next generation the way forward isn't clear
0: been so been
1: don't A wide variety of electronic styles often lumped together as EDM have found massive popularity around the world. Bounces high-energy vocalists fit well with these new beats. Kino has been on the bounce scene since the mid-2000s. Recently he has transitioned almost entirely to EDM, moving to Los Angeles to further his career. I love EDM music, man.
0: It's nothing but good vibes and positive energy. Like, I love all that high energy, just nobody beefing, nobody getting into it. It's just everybody want to have fun. Being able to blend a
1: culture that I grew up on and love and passionate about, that was a big deal to me. Listen to Beats Knockin', Kino's collaboration with Superstar Diplo and Skrillex's EDM group, Jack hey, hey, U.
4: Uh-huh.
1: In recent years, female artists have increasingly taken the lead.
4: Producer and DJ Tank spoke with us. It goes back to Cheeky Black, Miss T, Magnolia Sharder, Casey Ray, Ghetto Twins. It started with them, and now they got this generation of female bounce rappers that have been through a lot, that like what they like, and they can relate to the crowd. Read Treaty, treat and Viney like the hottest female rappers.
1: Often starting as dancers, a generation of female artists have used videos and social media to boost their careers. Ninth Ward, Judy.
2: You can't book or go a place where they don't know you at. So with that social media, it allows you to reach people that you would never brush shoulders with in real life.
1: Popularity on social media has allowed performers like Judy to expand into other potentially lucrative types of performance.
2: It's called bounce aerobics. I would put it under cardio. It's moving. It should be worldwide. I want it to be like Tybo. Because twerking is going worldwide, I feel bounce aerobics could travel straight up that gateway.
1: No matter which avenue bounce artists choose to pursue, It seems that their future, like their past, will be based on never-ending hustle and fierce cultural pride. Despite changing conditions, the music's expressive core, its ability to speak for communities facing violence, scorn, and neglect, is, if anything, only more necessary. In its lyrics, a community built against all odds is preserved for the future. Nesby Flips, a studio owner, producer, and rapper, explains.
4: Those were buildings, the Magnolia, even though they're referencing a the building, they're talking about the people. So when they're saying that, even though they're referencing a the project, it's more so where I got my game from. I'm a Magnolia type of individual. It's not the bricks, it's the people and the experience within it. So you tell on a building, the Magnolia's gonna be there for a minute. I mean, all we got is that identity down here. Saying I'm from the Magnolia is better than saying Man, I've been moving around my whole life because of the Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She's got a better ring to it.
1: As Bounce
4: moves toward
1: its third decade, some things have changed. A music once seen as a brash interloper has slowly been embraced by the cultural institutions of the city itself. Bounce's newfound reach has given its performers and fans a new kind of self-understanding a sense of their place
4: in the broader world. We don't have attractions like Eiffel Towers and Space Needles and stuff like that. We got things that can only be produced by everyday people. From the rhythms to our our patois, our flavoring in the food. New Orleans was the world and now they're able to see themselves better. This is what we look like to other people. Like you guys are our mirror. Before we just looking at each other.
1: In a nation reeling from changing economics and political turmoil, one in which more and more Americans feel left behind, Bounce's tenacious focus on creating community, its ability to see meaning where others saw nothing feels more important than ever.
7: To see a gay, trans, queer artist performing Living and and not just trying to make it but thriving means a lot to people, like, hey, hell, maybe I can make it too. And I think that that has become an increasingly relevant to not just New Orleans but the nation.
0: Everybody want to represent where they're from, different wars, different cliques, and different genre of people. That gets the people excited, well, at least
1: where I'm from.
2: Give me my guy.
1: Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and PRI, Public Radio International Affiliate Stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Additional support for Afropop Worldwide comes from WOMEX, the World Music Expo and Showcase in Katowice, Poland, October 25th to the 29th. More information, Womex.com This episode is dedicated to all the bounce artists who have lost their lives to violence. Thank you, Thanks to DJ Soul Sister, Pam Blackmon, Jay Pennington, Holly Hobbs, John and Glenda Roberts, Pikachu, Flipset Fred, and Polo Silk for their help with this program. Visit afropop.org for interviews, playlists, and more. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Jesse Olson and Sam Backer. And join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Greg Altman and Stéphanie Lebeau. Banning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our producer for new media is Akornefa Achia. And I am Georges Collinet.
7: PRI Public Radio International.